you all know, is our favorite snowbird. Uh, he's really a great man. Um, if you ever have a problem or a question, see Mike. He'll do whatever he can to help you. So, with much love and appreciation, the Reverend Michael Pillsbury. Thank you, Mary Beth. Good morning. Good morning. It is a pleasure to be back. Last week I was supposed to be here and had a big change of plans. Spirit helps us find a way to learn a little patience at times, a way to turn our life around. But sometimes it's so hard to listen to it. And sometimes it's very painful to listen to it. But it is nice to be back. One of the hardest things that any of us has to do when we get up to speak is find a topic. You get into a conventional religion and they all have guidelines that they use to work with. We're pretty much told that find something that you think will be uplifting, something that can be evidential, something that can teach people how to move on to do something else in their life that can help them become a better person or to improve a little bit. As it turned out this week, I had a lot of time on my hands to sit around, so I was reading through a TNS magazine, which is, these are our TNS magazines, they're put out by the National Spiritual Association of Churches. And I was looking through it, looking for a topic, and I happened to come across an article here called Signs and Wonders, The Life and Times of Moses Hull. I'll tell you a little bit more about Moses, Moses Hull in a little bit, but this is the book I'm going to use for some of my information. When I started coming to the spiritual churches and taking classes, I had some really good teachers, but the thing they always pushed was the history. They wanted to teach you about a different person every week. And we had some great people in this religion. Some of them that came through some very tough times and they had to really work hard and be very determined people. Modern spiritualism, which is what our religion is called at this time, started back in 1848 on March 31st. They had the Fox Sisters. And the Fox Sisters were three girls living up in upstate New York that were hearing raps in the middle of the night. They'd hear, and they got playing around and they were asking, Mr. Splitfoot, what are you saying? And they'd ask questions and they kept getting raps back. And they finally figured out that the raps were coming in alphabetically. One rap was an A, Z was 26, and they just started putting these words together. There wasn't any real breaks between them, but they were getting all the letters and they would have to look through and pick the words out afterwards. And they'd ask questions and they were getting answers. They were celebrities for a while. They traveled all over the states. These women were really looked down on by a lot of people. They didn't think that anything was true. Everything was lies they were putting out there. The raps, they were finding some way to do it. They were snapping their knuckles or they were making their joints make noise. They were always looking for a way to do it. And some of them had to be very, these three women were scrutinized more than probably anybody in history. They had their hands tied, they were, had their clothes gone, just so they could make sure that they weren't doing something. And finally they had to admit that they were right. 
It was spirit coming through. And they moved on from that point to travel all over the world spreading the religion. And there were a lot of other ones back during this time that were also very important to our religion. Another big one that came along was um, Andrew Jackson Davis. Andrew Jackson Davis, if you come to church for a while, you're going to hear about Andrew Jackson Davis. He was a very prolific writer. He wrote a lot of books, very hard to read. I've read a few of them, and it's almost impossible to understand what he's saying, but it was written in the times. In the 1800s, late 1800s, they used a lot of different language than we do. You look at the language now and what it was 30 years ago, and it's hard to read sometimes. They leave out words that we used to use all the time. And they don't seem to even notice it, but it happens. Yes, bless you. <laughs> um, he wrote all these books, and he did had a lot of sayings and a lot of other things. But the thing he was remembered for more than anything, I think, was starting the Children's Lyceum. And for those of you who have never been here, I came to church for a long time before I understood what the Lyceum was. The Lyceum or a children's lyceum, sometimes they have an adult lyceum too, is a Sunday school. They have a way, to, or they wanted to be able to make sure that people could know nature, see how it works, understand, pardon? Nothing, sorry. Oh, okay. They had to understand why things follow the order they do. Everything is controlled by natural law, and nature is controlled by the same natural law. But he wanted the kids to know this at a very young age. And he also wanted them, above else, to learn how to think for themselves. You, you go to school now, they all want you to follow a line. But in his Sunday schools, he wanted them to question everything. If you were questioning it, you were learning. You were listening and you were paying attention. And it was very important to him. And just, I heard so many of these stories growing up in the religion, I shouldn't say growing up, I've only been coming into it for 15 or 20 years myself, but I feel like I grew up in it. I had some very good teachers. Um, one of my favorites was Sharon Snowman. She was the secretary for the National Organization for many, many years. And she, was, she wrote her own courses on spiritual development that most of the churches still use today. But she brought these, every week when you come to class, she'd have another handout for you on one of these forerunners or one of the early people in our history. And we'd read over it and then we'd discuss it because it was important to know how you get to where you are now. And it's important for us in everyday life to know how we get to where we are in everything we do. But the, going back to the article, the thing that really got me was when I read about Moses Hull. I knew that Moses Hall was the principal, or the, excuse me, just a second. I'm just collecting my thoughts. He was in charge of the Morris Pratt Institute, which is also the school segment for our religion. Moses Hall was a very Adventist minister in his day before he became a spiritualist. He traveled around the world debating, arguing people with different subjects. Okay? <coughs> Need some water? 
Janet. Okay, anyway, he traveled around the world arguing topics, and he was invited to do a six, two-hour segment debate with a gentleman named um, following out of order here. Hate it when you lose place. The gentleman he was debating was Jameson, was his first name. And he was an advocate for spiritualism. He'd travel around the country debating, and he asked Moses Howell to debate against him. And Moses Howell was a well known debater, and he would argue points forever, but he never got mad when he'd argue. He'd listen to all their topics and base his response on what he was hearing from them. And he went through this whole six debates with Jameson, and afterwards, while they were talking, somebody asked him, how do you feel about spiritualism now? He says, I'm giving up my credentials to the Adventist religion. He believes so strongly in what spiritualism teaches. It teaches that there is no death, there is no dying. We're all going to go on. We're all going to have a whole nother life after we leave here. This is just a stage in our life, a place for us to grow and move on. And I'm not following anything anymore, so bear with me. <laughs> it's so easy to get mixed up when you start talking. Anyway, um, he just felt so, so strongly in it. And he felt so strongly in the, the teachings, in the, the education, that when Mo Morris Pratt came up and talked to him, about his background and talked to him. Morris, Moses Hall was a very strict biblical scholar in his day. He knew and argued that thing forever. And he believed that all answers could be found through the Bible. And he related that to spiritualism. Spiritualists don't disregard the Bible. They do believe in it. But they believe that it's stories and how to teach people how to live better. It's not stories that are gospel, that are exactly how you have to follow or you're going to go to hell. These are lessons to teach you how to live a better life, how to become a better person, how to help everybody around you. And so many of us forget that we are here to help everyone. I had no desire at all to become a minister. I really never expected to ever be standing up in front of anybody. It just, it was the biggest fear in my life. But once you get started, they drag you in a little bit at a time. They teach you to stand up. And s well, it's, it's true. It's, it's not like you're, you're kicking and screaming against it, but they, they bring you in and you do a little bit at a time. We used to have a little, like Mary Beth's talk here about a reading. We'd have something like that to get people up that weren't used to speaking. We had a little section in the healing where You'd get up and do a little prayer, and somebody would run a little healing, like we do with the, the, during the healing section. And it was just a way to get people used to getting up, to getting up and being heard. It's so hard to feel uncomfortable when you get up to speak. It's so hard to know that everybody listens. 
You know, when you get up here, it's like a, you could hear a pin drop out there. And you get up in an auditorium with three or 400 people, and it gets that quiet. It's scary. It does when, you, when you're working as a medium. It, everybody's listening. Everybody wants a message. Everybody wants to know what's going on. And everybody wants to share. And I think that this church really gives us a chance to do that. And all the churches do. And Moses Hull believed it very strongly in his life. He, he believed that the education was the biggest holdup in any religion to keep it going. If the people weren't educated, when the churches would, church leaders would pass on or move away, there was nobody to take over for them. And I can tell you right now, I've seen a dozen of them in our religion, and this is a fairly small religion. In the last 10 years, it had just closed the doors because they had nobody to take over. Nobody willing to stand up and make a commitment and try to help. And so much of our religion was based on the message work that we commit. Most people, when they come to the church, come for a message to begin with. After they're here for a little while, they'll get into the healing, and a lot of people start out improving their mediumship or learning about mediumship by doing healing because you're using the same type of energies coming through you. Spirit comes through and they're teaching you. But while I was reading this article and thinking about it, I got into the end of this article and there was three little paragraphs I'd like to read for you. And it was about Moses Hull's passing. According to Nettie P. Fox, who witnessed the memorial service as Maddie Hull gave the tearful invocation, the congregation saw Moses materialize behind her. He was surrounded by a group of those who had been his co-workers in earth life. They all appeared to be draped in long, graceful garments that glistened like the brightest moonlight and seemed to scatter radiance as they moved. Each face was luminous no taint or stain of earth life marred their bliss. Mr. Hull extended his hand over his wife's head and moved his lips as if in speech, but no sound was heard. And in a moment, the curtain dropped. As a spiritual service held, at a spiritual service held in Washington, D.C., Mrs. C.A. Sprague told the congregation of Hull's passing and encouraged them to give money to the school, as that was what, Mo, what Hull would have wanted. She asked who would take up the cause of the school and said, there is nothing in the world that our cause needs more than that school. We asked for prayers for Man, Maddie Hull and ended with a silent prayer, during which Moses Hull came through and delivered the following message directly to the congregation. It was in part, I am not dead. I am working. I am going to work the same on this side of life that I did while I was here. And I am glad this medium sent out the appeal to you for the assistance of your good thoughts to my beloved wife. God bless you. God bless you, her. We will all stand together and will sustain her in his work. And I, will, I am going to say this morning that though I have left that earthly shell, I am still Moses Hull, and I am here to declare that you and I know that a, 
spirit can return. And I know that I can go on this glorious work. In his life and in his passing to spirit, Moses Hull provided spiritualists with many signs and wonders, such as this. As Cora Richmond said, Cora Richmond was another prolific writer. And she was a very good speaker, too. But her comment was, he educated the spiritualists to, the value, to value the Bible and all that it contains spiritual truth. He is the reason that our sixth principle expresses our belief in the golden rule. He was a writer, a healer, and a champion debater for the cause of spiritualism. And I'd like to finish with just a little comment here. The importance of the Morris Pratt education to our religion and our workers is as vital today as it was then. I encourage every one of you to talk to your church board, talk to somebody that is willing to listen to you, and find out about the Morris Pratt. It's not a it's not an ungodly course to have to take. It's 30 lessons. They spread it out over five years. And if you're working on it consistently and turning something in every once in a while, they'll extend it beyond that. But it gives you so much history and so much insight into how things work in the religion. And I encourage you all to take it. And I thank you very much.